Are you harsh with yourself? Today we're going to address perfectionism on this episode of Recovery Support with Kevin Bergen. This is Recovery Support, and I'm Kevin Bergen, licensed psychotherapist. This show is to support those in recovery from sexually compulsive behavior and to offer that support with education, inspiration, and motivation. Let's start out today with The Problem on page 203 of the Sexaholics Anonymous White Book. The Problem. Many of us felt inadequate, unworthy, alone, and afraid. Our insides never matched what we saw on the outsides of others. Early on, we came to feel disconnected from parents, from peers, from ourselves. We tuned out with fantasy and masturbation. We plugged in by drinking in the pictures, the images, and pursuing the objects of our fantasies. We lusted and wanted to be lusted after. We became true addicts, sex with self, promiscuity, adultery, dependency relationships, and more fantasy. We got it through the eyes. We bought it, we sold it, we traded it, we gave it away. We were addicted to the intrigue, the tease, the forbidden. The only way we knew to be free of it was to do it. Please connect with me and make me whole, we cried with outstretched arms. Lusting after the big fix, we gave away our power to others. This produced guilt, self-hatred, remorse, emptiness, and pain. And we were driven ever inward, away from reality, away from love, lost inside ourselves. Our habit made true intimacy impossible. We could never know real union with another because we were addicted to the unreal. We went for the chemistry, the connection that had the magic, because it bypassed intimacy and true union. Fantasy corrupted the real, lust killed love. First addicts, then love cripples, we took from others to fill up what was lacking in ourselves. Conning ourselves time and again that the next one would save us, we were really losing our lives. This episode will not apply to everyone listening. If it doesn't apply to you, it certainly applies to someone you know. You can use the information for yourself or someone you care about, and I invite you to consider whether it applies to you even to some extent. So what is perfectionism? Some people aspire to be top achievers and don't allow themselves to make mistakes. They're always on the alert for imperfections and weaknesses, not only in themselves, but also in others. They tend to think rigidly and look for some kind of rules that are being broken. Perfectionism is not the same as aiming for excellence. People who pursue excellence in a healthy way take genuine pleasure in working to meet high standards while perfectionism is motivated by self-doubt and fears of disapproval or rejection. Now, here's a point I want you to make note of. The high producer has drive, while the perfectionist is driven. Let's look at some characteristics of, and also what's behind perfectionism. There's usually a fear of failure and rejection. Perfectionism produces a very strong belief that one will be rejected if not always perfect, or that not being perfect equates to failing. 
A person believing this way might then become paralyzed and unable to produce or perform at all. This person might then believe that if he's successful in whatever he does, he'll have to keep it up. This becomes quite a burden. Who wants to operate at such a high level like that all the time? Some call this fear of success. Low self-esteem sometimes plays a part. Stronger needs for love and approval tend to blind someone with perfectionistic tendencies to what others need or want. This makes it difficult or even impossible to have healthy relationships. That void then leads back to more intense need for love and approval. Have you ever heard of black and white thinking? Someone with perfectionism sees most experiences as either good or bad. There's nothing in between. This person believes that a flawless product or a superb performance must be produced every time. And so he or she believes if it can't be done perfectly, it's not worth doing. Then there's extreme determination. Perfectionistic people are determined to overcome all obstacles to achieving success. Now this is also true of people who want to achieve at high levels, but the guy saddled with perfectionism focuses only on the results of his efforts. He's unable to enjoy the process of producing the achievement. His relentless pursuit of the goal becomes his downfall because it often results in anxiety that's overwhelming and then that sabotages his heroic efforts. What are the costs of being perfectionistic? Well, perfectionism always costs more than the benefits it might provide. It can result in being paralyzed with fear and becoming so rigid that the person becomes difficult to relate to, which goes back to that detriment to social connections, most usually affecting the closest relationships. This need to have things be just so can produce contradictory reactions from being highly productive to being completely non-productive. Here's some examples of the costs of being perfectionistic. You might experience low self-esteem. Just as low self-esteem is a cause of perfectionistic behavior, it's also a result because someone with perfectionism never feels good enough about himself or his personal performance, he can feel like a loser or a failure. There's gloominess. Since the woman with perfectionism is convinced that it'll be next to impossible to achieve most goals, she can easily develop a negative attitude. A real high cost of perfectionism is depression. Perfectionistic people often feel discouraged and depressed because they're driven to be perfect but know that it's impossible to reach such an ideal. And then there's guilt. When you're being perfectionistic, you might not think you handle things well and that can result in a sense of shame and guilt. Do you think you're sometimes rigid? Since a perfectionistic tendency includes a need to have everything meet an ideal, people tend to become inflexible and lack spontaneity. Perfectionism can sap motivation. A person who expects perfection might not try new behaviors or learn new skills because she thinks that she'll never be able to do it well enough. Then at other times she might start new behavior but give up early because she fears that she'll never be able to reach her goal. 
Paralysis can be one of the costs. Since perfectionism can include an intense fear of failure, people sometimes become immobilized and stagnant. Writers who suffer from writer's block are examples of perfectionist paralysis. When a person needs a certain order or structure in his life, he might get overly focused on details and rules leading to obsessive behavior. And then a close companion is compulsive behavior. Someone who feels like a failure or a loser might medicate himself with alcohol, drugs, food, shopping, sex, gambling, and the list goes on. Compulsion is a very close companion to addiction, and they're often coexistent. Another type of compulsion is eating, including full-blown eating disorders. Lots of studies have determined that perfectionism is a central issue for people who develop eating disorders. So what's so wrong with high achieving? Nothing. People produce many of their best achievements when they're striving to do their best. The point is that high achieving is not the same as perfectionism. Unlike perfectionism, high achievers accept that making mistakes and risking failure are part of the achievement process and part of being human. It's desirable and emotionally healthy to seek high achievement. You can be a high achiever without being a perfectionist. People who accomplish plenty and stay emotionally healthy, they tend to exhibit these kind of behaviors. They set standards that are high but achievable. They enjoy the process, not just the outcome. They recover from disappointment quickly. They're not disabled by anxiety and fear of failure. They view mistakes as opportunities for growth and learning. They even react positively to constructive feedback. So once you're aware of the ways you expect yourself to be perfect, you can start to change and improve your approach. Here's some tips to get you started. Create a support network for yourself. Sponsors are ideally at the top of your list of potential supporters. Seek out people who aren't perfectionistic or have clear awareness of it when they see it. Look for people who won't be rigid or moralistic in their attempts to support you. These people forgive and they forget when mistakes, failures, offenses, or even backsliding happens. Ask your sponsor to tell you when he thinks you're being rigid or unrealistic or idealistic. Ask him to note when he sees any positive changes in you. Identify alternative behaviors. Actually write out some examples of how you're sometimes perfectionistic and then write an alternative approach. For example, perfectionistic behavior. I expect my daughter to pick up the clothes off her floor and make her bed every day. Alternative behavior. I can expect my daughter to clean her room every Saturday and will close her door the rest of the week. Lower your expectations. It's so important to understand that it's unrealistic to expect to change your behavior or someone else's either immediately or completely. Pay attention to your behavior and attitudes. When you see yourself behaving in a perfectionistic way, take note. 
In the beginning, just observe yourself. Keep a log if it helps to see yourself more clearly. You don't have to make any changes until you have a good idea of your specific behaviors and thoughts. Make a list of the advantages and disadvantages of being perfect. You might just find that perfection costs too much. Maybe you'll discover that relationship problems, endless working, and other compulsive behaviors, like your sex addiction, are just too high a price for the results you gain from your perfectionistic ways. Try some new thoughts and behaviors. In other words, try to substitute the alternative behaviors you identified earlier. Ask your sponsor or someone in program for feedback. You might even ask your therapist, but observe your feelings and thoughts as you try new things. Review your plan. Make sure it's realistic. By having an achievable, realistic plan, you'll gradually see that less than perfect results aren't as disastrous as you thought they would be. Make friends with criticism. People under the influence of perfectionism often take criticism personally and then they respond defensively. If someone criticizes you when you make a mistake, the most effective reaction is to simply admit it. Agree even if you don't believe it in the moment. Remind yourself that you are human, meaning you'll sometimes make mistakes. The people who never make mistakes are no longer learning or growing. Learn to reframe criticism and see it as information you can learn from rather than defend against. Finally, Set strict limits for your projects. When the time's up, move on to another task or take a break before you go back and finish. When you let go of the fantasy that humans have to be perfect to have value in this world, you're less likely to feel angry or embarrassed when you make a mistake. You'll see that criticism is information that you can learn from and you'll no longer need to avoid it. Your relationships and interactions with others will become more rewarding and much richer. Your addictive behavior and tendencies will noticeably decline. You'll also have a great sense of peace from day to day. You will be happier. Finishing up today, we're going to read The Solution, which is on page 204 of the Essay White Book. Quote, we saw that our problem was threefold, physical, emotional, and spiritual. Healing had to come about in all three. The crucial change in attitude began when we admitted we were powerless, that our habit had us whipped. We came to meetings and withdrew from our habit. For some, this meant no sex with themselves or others, including not getting into relationships. For others, it also meant drying out and not having sex with the spouse for a time to recover from lust. We discovered that we could stop, that not feeding the hunger didn't kill us, that sex was indeed optional. There was hope for freedom, and we began to feel alive. Encouraged to continue, we turned more and more away from our isolating obsession with sex and self and turned to God and others. All this was scary. 
we couldn't see the path ahead except that others had gone that way before. Each new step of surrender felt it would be off the edge into oblivion, but we took it. And instead of killing us, surrender was killing the obsession. We had stepped into the light, into a whole new way of life. The fellowship gave us monitoring and support to keep us from being overwhelmed, a safe haven where we could finally face ourselves. Instead of covering our feelings with compulsive sex, we began exposing the roots of our spiritual emptiness and hunger, and the healing began. As we faced our defects, we became willing to change, surrendering them broke the power they had over us. We began to be more comfortable with ourselves and others for the first time without our drug. Forgiving all who had injured us, and without injuring others, we tried to right our own wrongs. At each amends, more of the dreadful load of guilt dropped from our shoulders until we could lift our heads, look the world in the eye, and stand free. We began practicing a positive sobriety taking the actions of love to improve our relations with others. We were learning how to give, and the measure we gave was the measure we got back. We were finding that none of the substitutes had ever supplied. We were making the real connection. We were home. In closing, I'd like to offer the third step prayer, and that can be found on page 63 of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous on page 95 of the S.A. White Book or by googling Third Step Prayer. If you know it, please join me. God, I offer myself to Thee to build with me and do with me as Thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do Thy will. Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of Thy power thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. You can now follow me on Twitter, where my ID is clearhelp, and you can find my Twitter profile link on my website at kevinbergen.com. You can also email me at kbrecoverysupport at gmail.com. The Recovery Support Podcast does not promote any program or fellowship and it only informs about resources that I have found helpful to my clients. You can always refer to the show notes at recoverysupport.podbean.com. Have a terrific week and have a sober day.